This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. You are locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, it's a Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group and host of Locked On Warriors, here with David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat. The Suns got a big game out of Devin Booker, and the Bucks pulled out a win over the Nuggets. But we begin today in Charlotte, where LaMelo Ball scored 24 points to go along with 10 assists and 7 rebounds, and the Hornets beat the Rockets 119-94. to Now, LaMelo had started four straight games. David, is there any chance he comes off the bench when Devontae Graham returns from injury? Because he's playing really well right now. I can't see it, to be honest with you. I like Graham kind of being that spark plug scorer off the bench. I think that's a role, I mean, that's a role he's pretty well suited for, considering his... You know, lack of height and size in general. Now, he's not great as a defender. I think he's pretty good as a you know a six man who can come in there and again provide that boost offensively. He's not going to get exposed defensively. And while Melo may not be a great defender at this point in his career, I don't think he's as much of a liability as Graham is. So yeah, to me, I, I think that starting lineup with Ball in there probably makes much more sense moving forward. Yeah, the shot comes and goes, right? And he he had a really nice night Monday from three point range, but to me. What stands out when watching him is just how much the ball moves. And, and the Hornets this season, their identity has been passing the ball, getting assists and all these things. And, you know, they lead the league in passing and, and all these things. And LaMelo Ball isn't the only reason for that, but he's certainly a big part of it. And when he's on the floor, the ball just seems to move a little bit more. He makes such smart plays. There was that, there was that play at the end of the first half where he kind of gets this offensive rebound and, and kicks it out to his teammate. Who was it? Miles Bridges, I think, off the top of my head. And yeah. and um, and he made the, he made a, 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 a he made the shot, and they gave uh, Lamelo the, the credit for the assist there. And and he just he, his court vision is so good. His bat, his feel for the game is such at a high level that he has, I think a net positive impact on that team, which is pretty remarkable for a guy who is so young with so little experience playing for a team right now that is in the thick of the playoff race in the East, David. I mean, Charlotte, they've got a chance now to win the Southeast division. I think it's pretty clear that they will. I, I'm not so sold on Miami's chances to make a speedy recovery. I mean, obviously they got Jimmy Butler back, and it looks like they might be on track. But with Atlanta still trying to figure out their identity and incorporating players in and out of that lineup and Given their general lack of uh, experience, I look at that. I'm sorry, that Hornets lineup, and and they kind of remind me of last year's Thunder, that plucky team that really can try hard. And I don't know, they don't have anybody that fills that Chris Paul role to the same degree. But it kind of feels like their identity, for better or for worse, is now defined by Lamelo Ball, a rookie, which I don't think we've ever seen. I mean. Not not to the kind of impact that it has been so positive throughout the season so far. Like, Hayward is arguably their best player. You could probably make a case that Bridges is your second best player. Maybe, you know, Rozier might have, a, a, you know, a good score and kick as well. 
But Ball kind of just seems to infuse the team with his own identity. He gives them a little bit of joy, a playmaking a panache that they might have been lacking before. They seem to have a little bit more of a flair. And, and you were hinting at it with the, the, the passing that kind of just goes up a, to a higher level when he's out on the floor. I've never seen anything like it. Even the older veterans like Bismack Biombo kind of gravitate towards this young player, which is funny considering the fact that you know Hayward joins his team arguably so that he could become the star in that team. And while he's their best player, perhaps, he's not the one who defines the culture there so far. It just seems like Ball, as young as he is, has taken on that role. The one-time Bobcats now have a swagger about them. That is That is what LaMelo Ball has done for that team. You're absolutely right. No, probably not their best player right now, but certainly one of their most impactful players. And that is really hard to quantify, right? Is just right. That's, that, that kind of... Uh, uh, presence and that's that's a star presence that he has and not to make too much out of it right now um, it's been you know only a few games into his career but at this point he absolutely should be starting for that team James Borrego has done an awesome job with that group uh, let's not let's not um, you know discredit him and and you know Charlotte was sort of the laughing stock of sports media and stuff like that after this offseason when they paid yeah. Gordon Hayward a bunch of money and you know became infatuated with LaMelo Ball and and uh, and all these things that they did on that. Well, it seems to be working out for the Hornets right now. Sometimes right. it just it, it works out. Maybe you overpay for Gordon Hayward, but hey, he's a better player than you had in Charlotte, maybe ever, uh, outside of Kemba Walker. And it's um, it seems to be at least working out for them right now. And I agree with you. I think they've got a real shot to win the Southeast Division. They're certainly in the lead right now. I just it's amazing how they can kind of gravitate towards this young player. I, I keep reiterating that, but it just, it just seems to define their personality in a way that we haven't seen. And and that might be even a bigger part of the picture here is that they actually seem to have a personality. So much of what the, has defined Charlotte for the last couple of years is this meandering team that's kind of sort of good. I mean, with Steve Clifford, they tried really hard, but they were kind of dealing with Kemba Walker and his absence. And then, you know, now they have a, a real complete team. Like they, It seems like they've gelled very well considering the the lack of roster moves that they made this offseason i'm not sure exactly what's worked for them but it all seems to be working and so i think maybe you might be right that borrego should probably get a lot more credit than he has been um let's go to denver it wasn't the prettiest game but the bucks got a 125 to 112 win over the nuggets uh without drew holiday chris milton had 29 points on 16 shots 12 assists eight rebounds david milton's having another really great season is he an all-star lock I think he has to be. I, you know, it's funny because when you look at Milwaukee, so much of it is – so much of what we perceive that team to be is defined on their postseason success and even whatever they were able to accomplish during the offseason. Of course, they had the whole Bogdanovich fiasco that didn't turn out so well. But it might be a case where the player that they already had on their roster becomes the secondary superstar to help propel this team's title contention chances. And I think Middleton has shown that. And, and look – there's going to be questions about whether or not he can keep it going in the postseason, but for now, during this regular season, he's been as dynamic a scorer as anybody not named Bradley Beal. He's unstoppable. His incredible size. He's shooting 47% from three-point range on almost six attempts per game. I mean, those are ridiculous numbers, and to consider that he might not be the team's best player, I mean, yeah, out of the Kumpo, pretty damn good, obviously. But you look at Middleton and what he's doing as a complimentary scorer and a hell of a defender, an underratedly good defender, I think it's clear that he's an all-star player. Yeah, and, and so we can kind of look at, you know, the competition in the East, right? You've got Kevin Durant, Giannis, Joel Embiid, 
uh, Bam Adebayo, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, James Harden, yeah. Bradley Beal, obviously, DeMontis Sabonis, Gordon Hayward, you know, for Charlotte has a chance. Sure. Uh, you got Trey Young having a great year with Atlanta. And then, you know, you got some other fringe guys, Nikola Vucevic, Julius Randle, kind of depends on what those teams kind of do. Kyrie Irving hasn't played a ton, but he could have an, you know, his numbers have been really good when he does play. Pascal Siakam, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. I mean, that's, that's I think, 15 players I just named. You get 12 in the All-Star game. Uh, you know, there, you could see other runs between now and, and, you know, the end of All-Star voting from guys like Jimmy Butler and, and Ben Simmons and stuff like that. So there's a lot of candidates here, but... You mentioned Chris Middleton's stats there, David. I think he's still a lock regardless. I mean, he is that kind of player right now. And and look, no Drew Holiday tonight against Denver, getting a really big win. Nikola Jokic had another great night for them. And and you know, the Bucks, they're they're still rolling, right? And it's it's kind of boring. We don't like to talk about it because we've seen this every single year. Right. But Chris Middleton, you know, Giannis is what Giannis is. And I don't know that he's gotten any better this year than he's gotten than from last year. But Chris Middleton, just from the stats, somehow has. Career and high assists, 5.8 per game. I mean, that's pretty fantastic. That's huge for them. They need yeah. a playmaker, right? They that's need right. another playmaker. That's the reason they got Drew Holiday. It's the reason why, to your point, they wanted Bogdanovich. But if Middleton can sort of fill that role, that's going to be huge for them. Um, I mentioned Pascal Siakam. The Toronto Raptors got a big game from him and a big win tonight. Uh, we'll talk about that next. But first, David, tell our listeners about betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. If you want to bet on the Real Housewives, now's your chance to do so. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on, on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. David, you mentioned the Real Housewives as a betting option on Bet Online. I think the new one takes place in Salt Lake City. What are the odds that David Locke shows up on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? Not good. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't count on that. I mean, I wonder if that's something you could possibly place a bet on. But I, I'm willing to. <laughs> I'm willing to go on a limb and say he's not likely to make an appearance there. Maybe he his circles kind of run ancillary to some of the other ones there. The Real Housewives traveling, but I wouldn't count on it. Well, that's a shame. Um, <laughs> Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet led Toronto with 32 points apiece and got 29 out of Norman Powell. As the Raptors won 128-113, to 113, Kyle Lowry, uh, the subject of some trade speculation earlier in the day, scored just four points after some back spasms, took him out of the game in the first half. And the Raptors were without Nick Nurse, who was ejected during the third quarter. But Siakam, who has been quietly very good in recent weeks after a slow start to the season, led the big win. Don't look now, but the Raptors have climbed to 11-3. They've won four of their last five. And they're holding on to the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference standings, David. What do you think of the, their chances uh, in the East? You know, it's funny because I want to go back to the the Lowry rumors and one of the things that apparently they were linked to Andre Drummond prying him in out of Cleveland, and maybe he'd be the guy to shore up their 
their their you know their center position, which has been such a, a big problem for them all season. Aaron Baines continues to struggle. They just they haven't really gotten anything out of Chris Boucher, who's more of a backup and not a, a person that you could start for any kind of regular minutes. But it's just funny because again, the trade speculation is around sending Lowry to Cleveland, which doesn't make any sense for either team. And, and you know, if you're going to be acquiring a player like Drummond, it's probably because you're going to want to make a, another playoff push. And then you want your player to you, you want a player like Lowry on that roster. So I, I mean, look, Toronto has made such a habit of proving all of us wrong over the last few years because you know you can, I, I I know I certainly counted them out after last or you know last season after their title run because I thought you know they lost Kawhi Leonard they were kind of missing an identity they might get kind of lazy and complacent they wound up having a really damn good season and, and making a pretty deep playoff run uh, despite my misgivings and so. I don't know what to make of this team. I, they've got the talent. They've struggled. You trust that Nurse is going to be able to find a way to maximize this roster. They're going to have to make a move at some point. And I'm not sure what they give up in order to acquire a center. Maybe that could be a team that could lure a buyout-type candidate. But they do need to shore up that that glaring hole at the center position. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, they've got some depth. They've got some nice talent. Uh, they've got a defensive presence and, and a clear star in Lowry and Siakam. I mean, it's a really good team. I like their chances at actually being able to to latch on to a playoff spot. Well, that's where the Andre Drummond stuff comes into play. There's rumors that he could get bought out of Cleveland. If that's the case, the sure. Raptors are apparently very interested. Maybe that's where the Lowry to Cleveland stuff comes from. But I don't. Yeah. I can't imagine them swapping Lowry for Drummond at this point. Not no. They they just Drummond's just not that good, and Lowry has so much organizational equity there. Right. Uh, I I think they would rather just say, you know, if you buy him out, great. If not, then you know, it's not life or death is if it, we don't end up with Andre team, Drummond. Is this a season to do it though? Because they're playing in Tampa and they don't have any actual Raptors fans in the in the stands. Like they're not going to fear getting booed or anything like that if they do wind up trading Lowry. That's fine. The Raptors fans don't go in the stands anyway. They just stand outside at Jurassic Park and stare <laughs> at a big screen. I set you up perfectly for that one. It was great. <laughs> um, look, I I like Toronto. Their their point differential is ninth or tenth in the league right now. Uh, that that bodes well, I think, for their future. And and you know, Masai Ujiri is known to make moves in the middle of the year. I think they could go out and get a center, Andre Drummond or otherwise. Pascal, Pascal Siakam is really playing well. And if he could step up and sort of sustain this type of pace here, and Fred Van Vliet is out here scoring 54 points and stuff like that, you know, why not? It, just, it does feel like right now in Toronto they are making the turn into whatever it is the next generation of the Raptors is, right? We can kind of clearly see it having gone from uh, Kyle Lowry and, and Marcus Saul and that kind of group that won the 2019 finals to, and obviously Kawhi, who's no longer there, to this group of Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, who were on that, they were on that roster, but now they're taking on even bigger roles with this team and kind of controlling and owning this team now and taking them into this next era. I thought they would need at least a year, right? I thought they would need at least a year of rebuilding, but maybe, maybe they don't. And and look, I don't mean to make so much of the Raptors. They're not going to win the championship. They're not going to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. I'm sorry, it's just not happening. But if they can, if they can maintain their playoff position, I think that's a really big win for Toronto. And what is again supposed to be uh, a rebuilding year for them? Yeah, I, that's a good point. I, I think you, as an organization, you never really want to tear thing down, tear things down too completely. Like they're going to have to shift their identity at some point because if Lowry gets traded or if he goes elsewhere as a free agent or whatever might happen. 
they're going to have to redefine their identity to some degree. And I'm not sure if Siakam and Van Vliet are going to be the ones to carry that over, but it's they have no choice right now. They're, they're signed long-term. Um, they're going to need to kind of build themselves up on the fly. So we'll see what happens down the road. But for now, at the very least, if they're able to get a playoff spot, I think you could still count this year as a successful one for them. But uh, on the flip side of that, let's go to Chicago, where Bradley Beal and Zach Levine each scored 35 points. But the Wizards wound up coming away with a win, 105-101 over the Bulls. Beal, the NBA's leading scorer, converted 14 of 15 free throw attempts, including three in the final 10 seconds of the game. It was kind of back and forth there at the end with Levine and Beal exchanging free throws. Uh, But Beal was able to hit those big shots to preserve Washington's sixth win of the season. Not too good. The Bulls, meanwhile, have now dropped six of their last eight, and Laurie Markkinen is out two to four weeks with a shoulder injury. You know, I look at the Chicago team and everybody's hopeful that you know, they make a coaching change and you kind of see some of their young players and maybe they're able to turn it around, but it kind of just feels like the same old crap from the Bulls here. What can they do? Like, like what's what's the next move for them? Because this does seem like a team that has to kind of rebuild. And they don't have – I don't know that they have that star player on their roster right now. Levine is a fine scorer. They've got some good role players. Markkinen is probably out of the door uh, as a free agent. I don't think that the team is going to re-sign him. Uh, you know, I think he enters restricted free agency at the end of the season. But there's, you look at that roster, it seems like it's so poorly built together. And that's not, you know, the current front office hasn't had any kind of long-term impact there. They haven't been able to do anything um, for that roster yet. But, I mean, they have to make some kind of a change. And, and I don't know what that change is, but they need to do something. Yeah, they need to blow this thing up. There's, there's, I don't <laughs> know. And you build around Patrick Williams, I guess. He, he's been nice for them. I, I don't know what you do, but I, I, I don't love the Kobe White pick. I never did. Um, right. He just does, to me doesn't have it. Small hands. I remember you Tiny, talking small about small hands. That. I was about to say small hands. Small hands. Um, you know, they're and, and they're asking a lot from Zach Levine, and and I think you know a guy like him, you can get something for him on 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 the trade market. There are teams out there that could use you know his three point shooting and his sure. his playmaking, and you know he gives up a little bit on defense, but on the right team, he could be exactly what you know the right team needs if you surround him with you know some better players and and, right. and defenders, right. but. You know, Thaddeus Young's having a nice year for them as a veteran. Like, how many teams in the league right now? The, both the teams that you and I cover would yes. love to have Thaddeus Young, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And, and so I just, what are you doing here if you're Chicago? What's what's the plan here? Is the plan really to build around Kobe White and Zach Levine in your backcourt? My guess would be, I hope not. Yeah. And so it, it just seems to me that this team is is just on the treadmill of nowhere right now. Just it's going to be a perennial lottery team. And if that's the case anyway, you might as well sell the good assets that you have and start to put together some sort of, you know, asset chest and and put some draft picks together and cobble together whatever it is that you can do because those are the most valuable resources in the game, in the league right now. Mm-hmm. And if you could trade a couple of good players for those kind of resources to teams that are actually in contention right now, then maybe as Chicago, it's still a great market. Right, Chicago. People yeah. do w- would want to play there if they can get their act together. If you could just cobble together these assets and maybe make a move at some point for another star, it, it might have to be a rental the way that Toronto did it with Kawhi. But at least it puts you on the map. And it just, I don't know that that's a guarantee, David, but it's at least a plan. And it just seems like more of a plan than Chicago has right now. 
Yeah, and that's a good point. And look, I mean, Levine, I think, is a fine player, to your point. I think he's still a guy that you can not necessarily build around, but he has to understand his role. There needs to be a star there that can kind of establish that hierarchy so that Levine can understand that his role right now is as a good scorer, and he has to improve as a defender and all-around playmaker because it's just not the strength of his game. Right now, it's a score first and last kind of attitude, and that's not going to lead that team to success. So they kind of have to figure something out. And maybe it's just making those moves on the fringes there where they trade a Thad Young for, you know, a, a pick and another serviceable player that can be plugged in there and lead to more balance on that roster because that's what they're lacking, right? They, don't, they, they either have these one-way scores like Levine where they have a solid defender but nobody who can, you know, really take over a game and right. establish themselves as a two-way player. So that's what they need more than anything else to me anyway. Yeah, they have mostly players who can't really do anything also, which is a problem. <laughs> Um, (laughs) moving on the Suns beat the Cavaliers 119 to 113 Kevin Love reportedly nearing his return the Cavs could use him after losing Larry Nance for six weeks following surgery to a broken hand here's more from Locked On Suns on the game Brendan Clean here with Locked On Phoenix Suns coming to you live from Phoenix Suns Arena after another Suns victory second night of a back-to-back and another win for the Suns their third straight actually against the Cavs Scored 119 points, finally gave us a high-scoring game. But the real story here, Devin Booker rounding into form after a hamstring injury forced him to miss a few games earlier this month. Uh, He is back, and he is at his absolute peak. 36 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds tonight. Booker uh, without Chris Paul in the lineup, without Jay Crowder in the lineup, uh, and a lot of guys who have been missing time. Booker really the only source of offense, and he answers the Suns again come away with the win down two heading into the fourth quarter Booker goes into overdrive makes an impossible three-pointer off the bounce and then Mikhail Bridges helps him close the game so 36 8 and 5 for Booker third straight victory for the Suns and uh, the guy we've come to know as one of the better scorers in the NBA is uh, at the peak of his powers right now we will see what the Suns can do with that as they take on the Bucks this Wednesday on ESPN a great matchup for more on this team and this Incredible young scorer. Follow Locked On Phoenix Suns. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And the Mavericks beat the Timberwolves 127-122. to 122. Here's Locked On Mavericks with more. Nick Angstead from the Locked On Mavericks podcast here. And the Dallas Mavericks squeak one out against the Minnesota Timberwolves. They probably should have won this game by a lot more. And I wish they did. I wish they had shown me that this team can go out and blow out an opponent like the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are without Carl Anthony Towns, without D'Angelo Russell for most of the game. They were basically down to Nas Reed and Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, guarding Luke, guarding Kristaps Porzingis, and guarding the paint against Luka Doncic. And it just shouldn't have been enough, but for some reason, the Dallas Mavericks were up by 20 in the fourth quarter, came down to a clutch game, one possession game in the last couple of possessions there. And it just wasn't good enough for the Dallas Mavericks to prove to me that they've gotten over this hump, that they've gotten over this slump. So check out more from the Lockdown Mavericks podcast. We'll break it all down there. David, the Warriors wasted another great Steph Curry performance. We'll talk about that here in a bit, but first, tell our listeners about Rock Auto. With an ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible to stock all the parts you might need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure pointless or intimidating questions while that person behind the counter orders the parts you're looking for on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home 
and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers on their easy-to-use site, and you'll get everything you need with just a few easy clicks delivered directly and safely to your door. Why spend more for the exact same parts at a chain store? RockAuto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Then go to their How Did You Hear About Us section and enter the phrase Locked On so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. This week, Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the Radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. Let's go to San Antonio, where the Warriors wasted yet another MVP caliber performance from Steph Curry, who scored 32 points, including 14 in the fourth quarter, but lost 105 to 100 to the Spurs after opening the season 5 and 0 in games in which Curry scored at least 30 points. The Warriors are now 1 in 5 since. Now, I argued on Locked On Warriors on Monday morning that Steph should be a bigger part of the MVP conversation, but I, there is one problem in my argument, David, and that's for Steph to be in the MVP conversation. The Warriors need to actually win some of these games, and right now, they are not. Steph is scoring at an MVP rate. He is, he's got more points than anybody else in the league. He's made more three-pointers than anybody else in the league, and yet the Warriors, anybody not named Steph Curry, just really can't seem to get it done to when me, he's not on the court. And you know how I feel about the award. I feel like that strengthens his case more than anything else. I know it's somewhat ridiculously that when you're talking about the most valuable individual player somehow – Team success is factored into that that whatever criteria you might be developing for this award, but you look at the other candidates, a Nick, a Nikola Jokic, or a Joel Embiid, or even a LeBron James. Maybe with the exception of James, is there anybody else who could take that roster as it's currently constructed and elevate them to the point where they'd be a much better team than they currently are? I mean, twelve and twelve. Not great, perhaps, but you know, a lot better considering the loss of Clay Thompson. The fact that Kelly Oubre has been disastrous to start, and then kind of has picked it up recently, but seems like he's still really, really well making some pretty stupid plays from what I saw during the game. Uh, you know a lot better than I would. They haven't gotten everything you possibly could out of James Wiseman. Draymond is Draymond, even at this stage in his career. But there's not a lot going on there as far as that roster is concerned other than Steph Curry, which you alluded to. So to me, that kind of makes his case stronger than some of these other candidates. But I, I mean, I'm not a voter, unfortunately. And so I understand the point that they need to win more. But you look at his performance, he has been great. And he should be getting a lot more recognition. They've won 12 games this year. They won 15 all of last season, right? And, and you look at a guy like, you know, Nikola Jokic. The Nuggets have only won 12 games also. And yet Nikola Jokic is the frontrunner in, in some people's minds for MVP. So if Jokic is the frontrunner with 12 games, uh, with the Nuggets having won 12 games so far, why wouldn't Steph Curry at least be in the top five? But you look uh, uh, this week, you know, the NBA, you know, .com MVP ladder, Steph Curry is ninth, where Nikola Jokic is top three. Basketball Reference has a top 10, you know, a running top 10 of MVP candidates. He's not even in that group for them. And so I just wonder, you know... <laughs> It's, is it it's just fatigue? Is it, just, uh, it is. That's exactly uh, what it know, is. Boredom with Steph Curry? Is it just? It's fatigue. Yeah. It's all right. Well, 
I, I guess, yeah. but the guy barely played last year. Or people, and so to me, basketball that's, is more fun when you're watching Curry and look, play I, because he's so dynamic and electric and such an incredible scorer. But somehow we've all con- gotten desensitized to it, and it's like, oh, 30 foot bo- you know, bombs. Those are perfectly normal for a guy like Steph Curry. And, and the fact is, they are not. They're they're not normal for him. They're not normal for anybody else. And the fact that he's capable of doing them, if anything, makes his his you know, overall greatness much more transcendent, but maybe it's also the fact that he doesn't necessarily have the same kind of impact in any other statistical category the way he does. You know, he's a great scorer, hell of a playmaker, but the playmaking isn't counted as much from, say, a big like Jokic or, you know, or James, obviously, who is probably Mm -hmm. a generational type playmaker. And then when it comes to Embiid, it's his overall defensive impact that you take more into consideration. So I think Curry is seen mostly as just a scorer, and so that kind of diminishes him from everybody else's perspective. Right, and, you know, the defensive things. Sure. I would argue he's been a little bit better defensively, right. but he's still not, you know, Kawhi on defense or, or whatever. But, um, you know, his his numbers right now are very – they're strikingly similar to his unanimous MVP year. And so I would just say, you know, everybody take another look at him. Um, and, and uh, you know, another part of this game for the Warriors, third straight game without a true center healthy and available. They were without Wiseman, without Kevon Looney. Eric Paschal played, but he's six foot six. But he's been playing mostly small ball center for them all year. Draymond Green started at center for them. They're using Juan Scano Anderson, who's a two way contract player for them, uh, in the front court now as a key piece there. So look, I'm not. They're they're back down to 500 right now. They're 12 and 12 after the loss, but uh, not the end of the world. Obviously, when they start getting you know their centers back into the mix, they'll probably start playing a little bit better. But let's go to Los Angeles with Anthony Davis sidelined because of a minor Achilles injury. The Lakers used an 8-0 run to take a three-point lead late in the fourth, but they fouled Shea Gilgis-Alexander with 1.2 seconds left. SGA made all three free throws. LeBron missed a potential game winner, and the game went to overtime, where the Lakers outscored the Thunder 9-2 and got the win. According to ESPN, Anthony Davis is not expected to miss a lot of time. Not that it matters, I guess, right now in the regular season, because they still have LeBron James, who's probably the front runner for the MVP. No, I but was moving just going to say oh, LeBron, ahead, what he's doing, and within the same vein as what we were talking about with Curry, I guess there's a certain level of desensitization to what James can do, but he's been so phenomenal. And, and even as we went into the season expecting him to kind of take his foot off the gas because they had such a long playoff run, they won the championship and everything else, that maybe he was going to start off not quite as engaged or, you know, taking games off. And we haven't really seen that, have we? I mean, he's as phenomenal now as he's ever been. He just seems like he keeps finding new ways to fine-tune certain aspects of his game and almost perfect it. Like the, the passing, the scoring, his shooting has gotten better than ever. I mean, it, we've never seen anything like this. And look, I, I am not a Tom Brady fan. I'm not even a football fan anymore. But within the context of this greatest of all time conversation and whether or not you know Brady has surpassed everybody else in any other sport, you look at his longevity, you look at what LeBron's able to do playing the sport that he does. I mean, it, ha- it certainly is a conversation starter as far as one of the greatest athletes of all time. Let's go on to Serial or Not Serial, our favorite segment here where we preview Tuesday night's games. Uh, let's look at the national TV games, David. First one, 
on TNT, Rockets at Pelicans. Oh, God. Is it cereal or not cereal? I want it to be cereal. You looked at that matchup at the start of the year, James Harden and everything, all the moves that they'd made after they traded Westbrook. And, and, you know, you got Zion Williamson and Stan Van Gundy. And it just seems like it's such a great recipe for a not good bowl of cereal. It is not cereal, man. I have to say I'm very disappointed that these teams have both fallen off a little (laughs) bit. Watching DeMarcus Cousins try to figure it out. Uh, Not great. Christian Wood out for a prolonged period of time. They're not going to be able to to get exciting overnight. So, no, not cereal. John Wall didn't play for them on Monday night, which was kind of a surprising late scratch. Probably not going to play on the second night of a back-to-back. Yeah, I'm – you know, the Rockets – it's an interesting story rebuilding after James Harden, but it's more of like an Excel spreadsheet story that I'm interested in, not like actually watching the games. Uh, And the Pelicans, man, they're just not fun to watch. Uh, They're they're kind of disorganized. They're all over the place. They're in a rebuilding process. I don't know. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Zion Williamson is maybe the most disappointing rookie I've ever seen, and it's not because he's bad. I mean, you look at his stats, they're awesome. He's He's a good player. But he's not nearly as entertaining as uh, to watch as he was billed to be. Like I'm just, I don't get, I don't get excited to watch Zion Williamson play. I'm sorry, he's, it's not that fun. It's not as fun as what it was supposed to be. He's not good on defense. He doesn't make all the highlight plays that he made at Duke, for example. I just, I don't, I, I'm not drawn to the TV when Zion Williamson is playing, and that was the whole point of Zion. So yeah, he's been one of the most disappointing rookies. Uh, that I've seen in a really, really long time, wow. just from an entertainment standpoint. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're not recording this with Ben Golliver because yeah. that would not have gone over very well with him. I think he is a big Zion fan, as are most people who watch. I mean, look, he's a good player, right? Maybe there's a certain aspect of excitement that uh, is, yeah. is taken away from his game. I mean, look, I think health is a concern. It's going to be throughout his career. I'd like to see him turn it around. I don't know. I just I hope that he's able to figure it out to some point soon because between the coaching turnover, the roster turnover, and everything that's happened in his short career, he's in danger of becoming one of these players like Carl Anthony Town that's stuck in such a bad situation for a prolonged period of time. Well, they might never know how to win, and, and you hope that that's not the, the way it turns out for him. The last national game, TNT, Celtics at Jazz. David, this is serial to me. I want to know what it is that's going on with the Celtics. They seem like a mess. The Jazz are the opposite of a mess. They've got it going. Rudy Gobert's playing great. Donovan Mitchell's playing great. Um, The Celtics have to travel to Salt Lake City, where, as we know, the Real Housewives are being filmed, and David Locke is trying to get on to the show. Who knows what's going to happen in this game? Yeah, Uh, but I kind of feel like it's like, shredded wheat or something like that it's cereal but only by the slimmest of definitions it's not like you're enjoying the cereal it's like oh my cholesterol is too high kind of cereal <laughs> yeah it's a honey yeah, nut cheerios kind of cereal cheerios is actually pretty good to me but yeah i mean they're they're i think like I life like isn't there like a, i'm trying to think of like i'm still a, a fruit loops kind of mm. guy you know so i i mean what give me all the sugar you possibly can baby it's all right uh my, my wife likes fruity pebbles um you know to me th- like those kind of boring ass cereals that just represent like you're trying to improve your overall conditioning like oh i might go for a run and then go enjoy a nice bowl of cereal as i watch this celtics jazz game zion williamson <laughs> was supposed to be Fruity Pebbles. And he has oh, turned out to just be Corn Pops. Like, it should, Corn Pops should be so much better. And they're not. They're really just not. 
Uh, remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On NBA wherever you listen to podcasts. 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com.